Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pastor Potluck Podcast. So named because on the show, uh, from week to week, we bring in pastors, sometimes from the Canton Lectionary Group, sometimes from near and far, to uh, ask them about how uh, their life is going and how the lectionary applies to uh, the current events that, that we're facing uh, as churches, as church communities, and in our larger society and world. It's Pastor Potluck because every pastor brings something new and different, and I have uh, two lovely guests with me today. Uh, my co-host, Court Green, is out on vacation, and we wish that he, we hope that he is having a good time. I, hear, I have with me here today DeAndre Ash and Aaron Yao, who are both serving in the Western North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church. Welcome, DeAndre and Aaron. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Glad to be here. And uh, let me uh, let me just start us off. The, neither of you have been on the show before, so I want to do a little bit of introduction. And oftentimes, um, where um, where we like to start on this podcast is just by um, telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, what your role is, what church you serve. Uh, but then I also would like to know. Maybe this is asking too many questions at once. Uh, what the name of the street is that you grew up on and what you, what, you know, one or two memories that you have from that place. Uh, DeAndre, would you like to start? Sure. Um, uh, my, as you said, my name is DeAndre Ash. I serve at uh, Snow Hill and Iola um, in, uh, in Franklin, Franklin, North Carolina. It's interesting. It is a cross-racial, cross-cultural appointment. And, uh, and that's pretty, pretty layered uh, considering the the times that we live in, uh, but it is, it's, it's been wonderful, wonderful churches, wonderful, wonderful people, man. Um, one of my, one of my, to, to go towards who I, you know, who I am, one of my, I think one of my uh, prominent gifts is diplomacy. So uh, <laughs> it works well in the day and age um, that we live in, in my, and in my context. Mm. Um, I grew up on a street called Donna Place, D-O-N-N-A, D-O-N-N-A Place in, um, in Decatur, Georgia. And uh, I'll never forget the uh, address. I'll never forget the phone number. <laughs> One of the few phone numbers I know in life, like other than 911. And, uh, and so, yeah, I remember um, the families. I remember riding bicycles up and down the street. I remember getting stitches. I remember, um, I remember fights <laughs> with kids in the neighborhood. I remember throw up tackle. Some folks call it throw up, bust them up. Um, I remember when it um, snowed very rarely, but it was time to be outside and play football in the snow. Um, I have memories of piling up in that Buick and uh, all, you know, huge family driving to church, um, eight kids, two, you know, and our parents up, yes, piling in a Buick and, and driving to church three or four times a week. And so I have a lot of fun memories. I think that's a great question, Peter. <laughs> so yeah, I got a couple of questions right off the bat there. Throw up tackle. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, that's like it's not like an organized football game, but if it's like it's so many kids, so you're like, let's just throw the football up and whoever catches it gets tackled. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that that sounds like some kind of fun if you're if you're one of the bigger kids, I guess. It's something, man. It'll toughen you up. Yeah. Wow, and so you had seven siblings, is that right? Yep, yep. Wow. How far away was church? What was that ride like in the Buick? Well, um, it, it felt like a short ride as a kid, and, uh, you know, looking back on it, it was a short ride as well, but, you know, everybody's sitting in laps, and that was, you know, when the cars had the long row, the front row was like one long continuous row, and so we, we made it happen and made it work, man. It was kind of normal. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be getting all kind of tickets today, right? But uh, the bench seats. Exactly. Somebody, somebody's going to bring those back someday. I hope. Welcome. <laughs> uh, thank you, DeAndre. It's good to have you on the show. Aaron, tell us a little bit more about yourself. All right. Well, like you said, my name is Aaron Yao, and I am serving as the pastor at Central United Methodist Church in Canton. And um, it's a great place to be. It's an amazing church. I've only been here three and a half months. Um, 
but the people are just so grace filled and um, just willing to serve and to grow in their faith. Um, it's really, it's a neat place to be. Uh, I grew up on Chapman Drive in Glastonbury, Connecticut. And uh, my family was one of the first families to move in on the street. It was new construction about 36 years ago. And it was a lot of families. We were at the, bo at the bottom of a big hill at the end of a cul-de-sac. And I remember just roaming the neighborhood with the neighborhood kids. Uh, families would have potluck dinners and it was just a really neat place to grow up. We had a lot of woods behind our house. So my sisters and I would climb trees and, you know, just the woods are still where I feel the most at home. And I think it comes from, from my childhood of roaming the woods. <laughs> it, it was a good road to grow up on. So I consider myself lucky to have that childhood. You mentioned <laughs> dinners and that is of course applicable to the, the title yeah. of the podcast. Do you have a favorite dish that you remember from those dinners? Yeah, I really don't. Not not specifically from those dinners. I mean, I have, um, you know, of course, now being a pastor in the South, you, you get your favorites from, from the covered dish and potluck dinners. But uh, I don't remember one from my childhood. Right. Although I definitely have food that I, makes me think of home still. All right. Well, if you were invited to, I'll ask this question to both of you. This is a surprise question. If you were invited to a covered dish dinner what would you bring or what would you look for that you would be excited about when you got there? I, honestly, man, I bring like the paper products or like sodas or something. I'm just, <laughs> that, that would be easy for me and it would be best for everybody who's present. Uh, to be and uh, I, I look, I go straight for the desserts. I, I want to, I start with dessert sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I look for the cupcakes, chocolate covered, Okay, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tend to bring a mac and cheese of a good recipe for crockpot mac and cheese, and I can make it ahead of time, just plug it in at the church, and uh, that works well for us. Uh, that's, a, that's a bold move for a Yankee in the South making mac and cheese. I know it. And usually there are about five other people that bring mac and cheese. So <laughs> it's there's no no shortage of it that's for sure i should uh -huh. say that i i guess i'm a yankee i'm from the midwest so i sometimes argue with that designation but i definitely don't know how to make mac and cheese like they do in the south so. oh no me neither i don't even try <laughs> mine is completely different <laughs> i i'm a big fan of bringing whole avocados to a potluck because it's super easy, but it seems like everybody likes avocados. You just put a little salt on it and it's like a garnish. I think eventually once avocados kind of lose their, um, it, like the excitement wanes, you know, it'll just be like bringing bananas to a potluck. Like people would say, why did you do that? Yeah. But for now, it seems like it's always a crowd pleaser and it's zero effort. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going to borrow that from you. I mean, <laughs> It's kind of awful and cool. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, well, um, today for this show, thank you both for being here. And it's so good to hear a little bit more about um, who you are, where you're from, and where you're serving. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, your role serving as a pastor in these past eight months, specifically, because today I want to talk about church reopenings, and, or just generally churches in the time of the coronavirus pandemic, and the kind of decisions that we as pastors have had to make on behalf of our churches, or with our churches, or in spite of our churches, uh, sometimes um, related to community gatherings, public worship, and we've been through a lot. So I want to take some time to just reflect on where we've been and go 
through a few questions about kind of how each of you have had to make decisions during this time and, and what kind of strain that has put on both of yourselves as pastors and your relationships um, professionally with uh, district superintendent, bishop, et cetera, or um, your congregations. And, and maybe, you know, some insights that you've gained from this whole time period. And as we usually do with Pastor Potluck, I like to bring in some scripture from the lectionary. And this one particularly stood out to me from this week's lectionary uh, because I personally have been kind of down on myself um, because I feel like I'm always uh, stuck between, not always, but I'm occasionally or more often than usual stuck between um, doing what I think is in the best interest of the health and safety of my congregation and the, uh, the desires of my congregation to meet in person uh, in a way that I, I think is unsafe. And so I feel like I'm disappointing some members of my community uh, more often than I would have in the past. And that's been hard for me. But this scripture from 1 Thessalonians spoke to me about that, that Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy are writing to the Thessalonians, a church that they recently formed. And Paul, in, his, in the first chapter, um, talks about all of the praiseworthy qualities of the Thessalonians and how they're putting their faith, hope, and love into action. And in chapter 2, at the beginning here, um, he, he talks about he, he, his own position and, you know, where he grounds his own position. And here's what he says. As you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, our visit with you wasn't a waste of time. On the contrary, we had the courage through God to speak God's good news in spite of a lot of opposition. Although we had already suffered and were publicly insulted, as you know, our appeal isn't based on false information, the wrong motives or deception. Rather, we have been examined and approved by God to be trusted with the good news. And that's exactly how we speak. We aren't trying to please people, but we are trying to please God, who continues to examine our hearts. Thus ends the reading. And so I want to start my first question by asking each of you, you know, have you felt that tension that's, I think, apparent in this scripture where, um, you know, Paul says he's been preaching the good news in spite of a lot of opposition and that tension of knowing that it's actually God who continues to examine our hearts and trying to do right by uh, by God and by your congregation. How have you felt that tension over these past um, eight months, I'll say? Uh, Aaron, can I start with you? Sure. Um, so yeah, this scripture really spoke to me this week too. And I think for me, I'm a people pleaser and it is really hard to be in a position where you know no matter what you do there will be people in your church who are unhappy with you mm -hmm. and um but it's just tough when you want to make people happy but also feeling that responsibility of you know the decisions that we're making can affect people's health and at what point is it my responsibility as a leader to do something unpopular if it means it's going to keep people safe? Um, so yeah, it, it's tough. I feel, feel that conflict within myself all the time. And yeah, doing something <laughs> unpopular to keep people safe. Right. That's... right. And you know, you add in for me that I'm making these decisions on behalf of and for a congregation, some of whom I have not met yet because we're not gathering together in person like we normally would be. Um, so there's not that relationship rapport that 
I would have had otherwise. <laughs> yeah, so let's give, get a little background there. Um, for folks who don't know it, I think, Aaron, you started during the midst of this pandemic with yes. a research placement. Yeah, so, I moved here the end of June. Yeah, so that sounds incredibly difficult. How have you <laughs> met anybody? Um, you know, I've been making a lot of phone calls and have met a few people outside, um, gone for walks with people. We've had some, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it. We've had some worship experiences in person um, at Lake Logan Conference Center where you, they have a big field uh, where people can park. So we've worshiped there. But even then, like my interaction with people at Lake Logan is mostly as they're driving off and I'm waving at them through the window. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've had committee meetings on Zoom mostly and it's hard, as wonderful as Zoom is, it's difficult to make that personal connection with people like you would in person. Yeah, absolutely. So DeAndre, uh, you've been in your placement since before the pandemic, but not much longer before. So tell me how that transition has gone for you and have you had to make, as Aaron eloquently put it, any unpopular decisions in order to keep people safe? Yeah, absolutely, man. I started um, in uh, December just as a supply and um, in February, I was uh, interim until um, this, this past appointment season. And so, you know, in March when the shutdowns were happening, um, you know, all across, uh, all across the country, um, I was interim. And so, you know, was facing all of those decisions and um, challenges as, as interim, um, living in another state. <laughs> and, um, and so even when I was appointed, I, I had not yet... Um, yeah, moved to uh, Western North Carolina. And so a lot of these decisions, Aaron, I, I share your, your, uh, your experience had to be made um, virtually and uh, through conversations. So it was, there, there was a lot of um, attention there. I think geographically um, and, and maybe even uh, sociopolitically, I was kind of in, in a different place, saw the pandemic through, through a different lens than, um, than, uh, than a lot of the parishioners. And so um, I, I couldn't necessarily as interim lean on that kind of positional power to say, this is what we're, what we're going to do. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I thought about what this content, what type of leadership this context and this time needs. Mm. Is there really time to make a relational decision? Like, is there time to converse, you know, three times and kind of think through what we're going to do? Or kind of, is there a decision that's going to be, have to be made and some people are going to be upset about it. And so, yeah, I, I, I struggled with that, man. And I, I talked to people. <laughs> I reached out to Peter. And, uh, and so I, I, I talked with, yeah, uh, parishioners, but I, I talked to peers and to kind of help think and work, work through it. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about being an interim pastor and what that looked like for you. I've not been one. And for folks who are listening who have not heard that, what what is that like in the Methodist church context? And what did you find to be yeah, difficult about that in light of the conversations you had to have? Yeah, um, I think it can look a lot of ways depending on the contract, I hate to say it that way, um, but I was pretty much preaching and um, uh, pretty much preaching from week to week, um, providing Bible studies if necessary, still responsible for um, the visitation. Um, and I was pastor, but I think it was understood that you know, I was pastor, but, <laughs> you know, let's not, let's not make any decisions that are really impact the church because, you know, you kind of, you kind of interim and it, that was communicated in so many ways, um, one or two folks. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was challenging, but um, I always think, I think leadership is soul forming, man, if you let it be. And I looked at things like that as opportunities to, um, to grow and to apply different types of leadership, even if they didn't fit my kind of natural natural bend. So some decisions, uh, Peter and Aaron, I just, I made. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> even as interim, somehow, yeah. some way, I'm, I'm actually curious about how exactly, 
this was communicated to you that they didn't want any big decisions made sort of uh, by you solo. And into the midst of that context comes a global pandemic and a shift that has affected all of our churches um, extre in extreme ways, changing the way, the way we do worship, the way we do uh, visitation, the way we do just community events. So walk, walk me through, I guess, actually, let's, let's start where we are now and work backwards a little bit. What are y'all doing now as far as uh, Sunday services, public worship, small group? You know, what is kind of, what has been the eight month uh, adjustment to the pandemic? So where are you at right now? And then if you want, you help me figure out, you know, help me understand kind of how you've gotten to that place. Have you taken different forms along the way? And yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. DeAndre, would you continue? Because I think, yeah, that that's sure. really interesting to me, the way that you kind of just had to be in that role that maybe they weren't comfortable with you in already. Yeah. Uh, so what did that what did that look like and where, did, where have you ended up? Well, right now, we, we just added, um, a few weeks ago, we just added in-person worship. And mm -hmm. I think our language around it was intentional. We're not, guys, we're not going to in-person worship. We're adding an in-person component. As long as we continue the phone calls and the online and um, uh, being folks being able to call in the drive up. And so we're still doing the things that we did before, drive up online and being able to phone in. And so not not kind of as a barter, but it, but it, but, it, but to make a statement to say, we're bringing everybody along, even the folks who don't want to come back in for worship right now. And I did not think, uh, Peter and Aaron, that I would, that we would be doing in-person worship anytime soon. And so as much as I had hoped to move their perspective, I hate to say it that way, um, early on, um, they moved mine, you know, as well. And so they, I, I began to be open, just looking at, we are in different places. The context is different and the risk is the same, but what does it mean for me to listen a little bit <laughs> you know, to, to the truth and what, you know, what they may be saying? And when, and when the conference and the, and the state gave new guidelines, I was like, well, you know, I can do this in good conscience and we can meet for those who choose. We can meet in person as long as we continue those other, um, those other components. And that's, we've been doing that for a couple of weeks right now. Uh, the downside is that um, my wife is asthmatic. And so, you know, she's not, she's not driving up with me as she normally would, you know, to do um, drive-in service or to, uh, or to, uh, or to come inside. And so um, I guess I, I really see it and experience it from, uh, from more than one perspective. Mm -hmm. I, I like what you said about adding an in-person component uh, versus, versus transitioning back to in-person services you know Aaron where are you you at as a church have you added an in-person component at all or uh, where has the decision making led you to as a congregation at this point point so where we are right now is we are looking towards adding an in-person component mm -hmm. and um you know, really I sent out a survey to the congregation to see what the interest would be, explaining to them, you know, what that might look like to have in-person indoor worship, mm -hmm. uh, following the guidelines given to us by the conference, the suggestions of CDC and following guidelines from the state of North Carolina. Um, and the congregation is, pretty much 50-50 split, at least in their responses of if they would come to an indoor worship service or not. I've had you know, several church members who have told me that their relationship with God, they feel God close, most closely inside that sanctuary, and they're missing that. And I've had to really... Um, allow myself to be guided by grace in these decisions because for me I don't have that my relationship with God is not tied to that space 
but I didn't grow up in this church, in this community. And I don't have the connection to the space that some, some of my people do. And, you know, also to, to recognize that that's where they are in their faith. And I, I, as their pastor, have to meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if their faith is hurting because we're, they're not in that space, then as a pastor, I need to acknowledge that and help them with that somehow. Um, so we are moving towards adding an indoor worship component to what we do. Um, in the meantime, we've been worshiping in our parking lot for a few weeks. Um, and that's been a challenge. It was a challenge early on for this church because we have we don't have one big parking lot. We have a couple small ones. And so the question from the beginning was, how do we worship as an entire congregation that was averaging 150 before the, the pandemic? How can we all get together and worship? And we found in the parking lot, we can, if people sit in lawn chairs, we can have about 60 people safely spaced out. Um, but weather is a challenge. And... Uh, um, mobility for some of my people is a challenge to get out there. Uh, a few times we've worshipped out at Lake Logan Conference Center because you can drive and park in the field and have that sense of everyone is there together. Uh, but what the feedback I got from people is, yes, it's really pretty out there and we feel God's presence, but it's about a 20 minute drive from town. And that becomes a challenge to people. They don't want to make that drive. Um, And we make a decision in this church before I got here, a reopening task force was convened and that's a mixture of church staff, uh, people who are already in leadership in the church, a couple trustees and uh, one of our congregation members who's in the medical field and um, specializing in nursing. And you know, she really follows the science very closely as, I mean, that's totally understandable from her perspective. And uh, she has really been the one to, to lead and guide these conversations. Um, well, you touched <laughs> um, a few things there that I wanna circle back to. Um, yeah, when you started to talk about the way that people feel about that space and how they're missing it, you know, to me, that that component is something that I have acknowledged in my congregation as well is um, on the one, I mean, to me, it's an, it's nostalgia and I mm-hmm. wonder, uh, well, I, I don't know if that's fair. It's, it's some part of it is nostalgia. Some part of it is, I think, um, you know, real um, longing for that collective worship atmosphere that they're so comfortable with and, and used to. And, um, and my heart hurts for folks who are not able to do it the way that they're used to and are not getting out of the drive-in service or the online services, the same kind of sense of collective worship. I, I think that's incredibly valuable. I and mean, that's why I got into being a pastor, I think, is to bring people together and to cr- create community and, and to be f- stuck in a situation where I feel like I have to keep people apart in order to keep them safe is, is a real challenge. Uh, and beyond that, you know, for my community, which is uh, mostly elderly folks, um, this may be one of their only or at least their most important um, social gathering of the week. And to deprive folks of that is really pitting uh, their overall physical well-being with their mental and spiritual and emotional health and against those, uh, those against each other. And that's a really difficult choice to make, you know, between those two. And um, I wonder... Uh, 
you know, how do we balance that? And I think maybe, you know, I want to hear more, Deandra, you mentioned how they convinced you to some extent about going back to, or including in-person component. And I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Uh, And then, and then from there, we can talk about kind of how those conversations went as far as, but, but first off, just help me understand, yeah, that tension and um, the care that you have for your community and for, and for wanting to be able to offer them a, a, an authentic worship experience that feels, um, that, that, that feels, you know, fitting to their context and to what they're, what they're comfortable with. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, I too, I wanted to, um, I wanted to, um, I, I think for, even before I got there, just, just recently, um, this two-point charge has had a, you know, had a little turnover, mm-hmm. <laughs> use a secular term. And I think there needed to be some settling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had hoped to be able to um, just be present, uh, Peter and Aaron, and just kind of be and ask questions and answer questions and, um, you know, um, follow their bulletin, <laughs> you know, preach and kind of be, a, you know, be, be, be a good pastor in a sense that they were expecting, you know, for a few weeks, you know, <laughs> I wanted to be and do that. Um, and so I, I, you know, I kind of wasn't, wasn't able to do that. And I felt, um, and I know that's what they needed. And truly it's kind of what I needed too, because I am filled um, um, when I'm, you know, around the, you know, the church folks, they're loving and kind people. And I think we're kind of, we're kind of working on something. It, we can feel kind of, it feels dynamic when we're together. And so um, we're energized by that. And we, we needed that. And so I hated to disrupt whatever kind of natural thing, you know, would be happening as far as decision-making, as far as, you know, just how we move forward. Um, and so my approach, the first few times we met, we, we gathered under, under a pavilion to kind of decide. And my prayer was that kind of the wisdom of the group would prevail. We didn't have a vote or anything like that, but we, we discussed these things. And like you, Aaron, I'm grateful to have, um, um, folks who are kind of plugged into different places secondly that helped, helped us make informed decisions. And uh, so I'd hope that the wisdom of the group would prevail kind of earlier on in this spring. And um, it just wasn't like that at first. <laughs> I think people felt like what you expressed, Aaron, that why can't we, it's not here, it's not in our community. Why can't we get together? Like it doesn't impact us. It's not here, you know? And, um, and so that's where I think, um, it was good for me to be distanced early on, even as far as the ability to um, have more regular conversations, the ability to um, um, to be influenced in, in a sense that way. I was able to kind of um, have the, the amount of agency that I needed to make what I think is, is a good decision. And uh, Peter, I even struggle with that just as far as um, what does that mean to be a pastor um, in this context? What type of leadership approach um, should I have? Do I really know better? Mm-hmm. Than, than, like, do I know better? Mm-hmm. And may, maybe, maybe yes. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. How do we evaluate that? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that, that's the, that, you know, that's the, that's the tension, you know, I'm judging myself more than I think maybe other folks, maybe, maybe than the congregation, maybe judging me, but moving on ahead to, uh, to how we got to where we are now, I approached our meeting with the same spirit, like, Lord, you know, God, um, may your wisdom for what you'd like us to do to prevail. And as we discussed, and everybody in the room said something, it, we started off by saying, we're going to start, you know, next week. Uh, but then as more and more people talked, the date just got pushed back and back and back. And then it became like the beginning of October type of thing. And this was a couple months ago. And so we had, had enough space to plan and prepare. And, and by the time that the date that we set, you know, the guidelines from the state and the, um, and the conference had loosened up. So it kind of worked out that way. And I felt like I had, um, I don't know, I felt like I had, um, I was acting in integrity, not moving outside of what I felt like was best and also not pushing them to do or not do what they didn't want to do. And I think it was just God's grace that kind of met that moment and the opportunity for us together. And so, um, but it definitely wasn't any, some kind of sound strategic plan that I delivered to the, to the guys. It just kind of worked out this way. Yeah. I had similar conversations, Deandre, uh, kind of, um, 
I think it was at the beginning of June or so. And, uh, you know, I, in a similar way, and maybe this is around the time that we talked, I, I really wanted it to be the church's decision. Like, I, uh, I wanted us to come together and to, like you said, that the wisdom of the group would prevail. Um, and we went through the questions. We said, you know, what, what are we going to do about hymnals? What are we going to do about singing? What are we going to do about bulletins? What are we going to do about um, you know, the amount of time that we're in the church building. So, do, you know, does the sermon need to get shorter? Do we need to cut the songs out? Do we need to, we're going to all wear masks. What about hand sanitizer? What about bathrooms? You know, I mean, we went through all the questions. I just like wrote a list of questions and I just asked them, you know, because in my experience, like that's how you get to a decision that's actually well-informed is you just ask those questions and you leave time for people to discuss. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion that both of my churches came to was we can start next week <laughs> or yeah. we can start, or we can start in two weeks. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is not what I hoped for. <laughs> I really, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I was like, okay, well that's, you know, that's what I offered, you know, mm -hmm. So let me follow through with it. We went back to worship. We, we went back in June, which is when the bishop was still saying you should not be in, in church right wow. now. And um, we're small enough. Like we have 15 people maybe on a Sunday to worship. So like, and we can spread out pretty well. So we did that. But you know what I noticed in those two weeks that we did before we went to outdoor services was that even though it was the space that people wanted to be in, it didn't feel the same oh, wow. because I think there was this, this tension that I was putting out that they could feel or that they were putting out that I could feel or both. Mm -hmm. We're not sure if we made the right decision because mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I can breathe deeply, mm. relax in this relax. space. Mm -hmm. And so after two weeks, I had had enough, like of just that feeling, you know, and I said, look, it doesn't, it's beautiful outside. We live in the mountains. It's not hot at 930 and 11 on a Sunday morning. Even if we didn't have the coronavirus pandemic to think about, mm -hmm. why wouldn't we worship outside right now while we still have time? Mm -hmm. And that was, a, that was, that was, some people were not on board right away, mm -hmm. but for the people who showed up and they heard the birds chirping and they saw the trees and the mountains and they were able to breathe deeply and not worry about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that convinced them. I didn't convince them. Um, what but, did they do for your relationship? Like with, with your congregation to show that you were kind of, you're willing to not, not to give, but to, to move inside, even though you were comfortable um, to kind of extend that, I don't know, that gift of being flexible? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure that I shared, um, I didn't share like the internal struggle that I was going through mm -hmm. too much. So I, I'm not sure that they knew like how uncertain I was about going back to in-person worship. Mm -hmm. But in two, after two weeks, when I, when I started to talk to members of the leadership team and say, hey, I'm just not feeling comfortable about this. They, they were really, um, you know, they, they listened and they were really considerate. And they said, well, I mean, I mean, if you're not comfortable with it, let's try something else. Mm -hmm. And that didn't, that wasn't satisfying for everyone. Mm -hmm. So, and we have, I have, I have seen folks, um, you know, stop coming because, uh, they just didn't want to worship outside. They said, I'll just wait for you to open the church back up again. Um, and sometimes that's because they just think we don't need to worry about this. And sometimes it's for other practical reasons. Like I'm old and sitting in a metal folding chair outside is, right. is hard work. And mm -hmm. if I need to get up and go to the bathroom, like that's embarrassing mm -hmm. you know, in the outdoor space where I have to go all the way over into the church. And, you know, so um or I, I can't hear that well because the outdoor mic system is just not good or what, you know, so like I get it, but, uh, but, but yeah, that we've had to, we've had to change. 
and I don't, yeah, we just to say where we're at now, we're doing kind of like what you said, we're adding, well, we're not in back in the church yet. We had, we did do that on communion Sunday last, last month. But what we did is we did communion inside the church first, and then everyone went back out into their cars. We did FM, the FM broadcast to people's cars, and I preached my sermon after we did communion inside. So we were only in church for like 15 minutes, and then we went back out in the cars. Was that so can I Can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, Peter, when you were talking about those two weeks you were inside in June, Mm -hmm. you mentioned how it just felt so different. And that's actually mm -hmm. something I've been talking about. I talked this morning with my lay leader about that, that, you know, there are people who are saying they need to be inside the sanctuary, but I'm thinking through, I guess, the theology of worship mm -hmm. and really ecclesiology, you know, what is church and what is worship and uh -huh recognizing that by not having the passing of the peace, not singing together, uh, not having that time of connection with each other where you're, you know, the, the narthex time <laughs> that, you know, is that going to be disappointing to people? And, you know, how do you work through that and, set up I mean you can set up expectations and tell them this is what it's going to be but also recognizing that people might not realize that until they're actually there mm -hmm. yeah I, I don't have an answer to that question I mean DeAndre what do you think uh like it's not it you've been you've done some you've added that in-person component how is it gone and what uh, safety precautions have you had to maintain while doing that and is it is it satisfying to people um that that's a great question Aaron and um I'm glad you kind of presented in what you were talking when you were talking um Peter I hadn't I hadn't thought about that but I do recognize that I felt it feel it does feel different mm -hmm. it does feel different Aaron and and whether um, they perceive it differently, I don't know, but preaching is different. It is not as free. It is not, and you say, can you breathe in? And can you like, wow, I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but it does feel different. It feels more mechanical for me, you know, walking over to set up the camera, you know, and then walking to the, it's just, it seems mechanical and it, and it's, it doesn't flow the same way. I had not thought about that, but yeah, it doesn't feel different. I think there is a, there there are a group of folks who just wanted to be inside of that doggone church. Yeah, <laughs> but it does not feel the same though. To answer, have, have you had any feedback from them as far as, as far as far as the folks who are really just we want to be back in the church, even with the I'm guessing you're still doing the masks, the six foot distance, um, you know. Is it, is it what they wanted or have you seen any of that sort of disappointment or are they just really excited? Um, I haven't noticed any disappointments. I haven't asked anyone formally, but uh, you know, I've, I've, people have told me I'm glad to be back inside or I can't wait till things get back to even more normal or wow, this place is beautiful. I'm glad to be back inside. And so I think they're just, yeah, I think a few folks just feel like, you know, I want it to be back in these four walls and this, this is, what gives me comfort. And mm -hmm. even if there are restrictions and kind of some hurdles that I have to jump over to, to do it, I'm, I'm willing to do it. Yeah, I, I wonder if this has something to do with like uh, denial in a way or like a, a lacking lacking that grieving process, uh, some some part of the grieving process where, where we just have, where we, have we, have we fully admitted that like we have experienced a profound change and going back to the way things were isn't going to happen a hundred percent anytime soon or maybe ever like in for some in, in some ways that's good in some ways that's not good 
you know, I also have been doing this sort of like adding an in-person component kind of thing where I'm just stacking on. Mm -hmm. Like we started with only online after we shut down. And then when we went back to in-person, I knew about those people who were just not going to be comfortable coming back to in-person and they liked the online service. I had, I had a woman who had never been able to worship with her partner who was uh, uh, terminally ill uh, and could not make it to church. She was able to worship with her for the first time because of the online services. So I was not about to drop those. No. As I came back to public worship outside, even like doing the, the online zoom and Facebook live and being here in person was overwhelming at first, but I got it. Yeah. And now I'm adding FM transmitter on top of that. So now I'm doing Facebook, zoom online, FM transmitter, people in their cars and people are still bringing their chairs out and unfolding them. And it's not like we have like a, a audio visual staff, like mm. pressing buttons. <laughs> right. And we should talk about that. Like we have different church sizes. Uh, I think uh, DeAndre and I are both in somewhat small rural Methodist churches, two point charges. Aaron, you actually might have some IT folks helping you out. Is that right? Um, so we have an extremely part time, I mean, just hardly paid <laughs> and actually his job title and job description cover sound on Sunday morning so mm. pre-pandemic it was setting up microphones running the powerpoints um, you know pretty standard sound responsibilities and then um, when everything shut down he researched uh different ways to live stream the service and to piece together the different components of online worship. Um, and it ended up being a whole lot more work for him. And, um, you know, that's a conversation I'm trying to have with my leadership in acknowledging this component of the church is not going away we will need to continue to offer online as an option. We need to probably ramp up our technology a little bit. And that's a hard conversation to have and to try to move past, well, let's just have a teenager do it to, you know, maybe we need about our staffing a little bit more. <laughs> it's hard, it's a challenge. And while I'm thinking like strategically and kind of how to make like you have to think about this kind of reorienting the structure of your yes. <laughs> yes. yeah it's really difficult and and you know my mentality in the beginning was very much I mean I was at a different church but it was oh this will be short term and we'll be back definitely by Pentecost and uh, now it's questionable if we'll be back for Christmas mm -hmm. and so having to change the conversation with myself and then with the church about it to, to shift from when things get back to normal to how do we do ministry how do we do church now and going mm -hmm. forward that's a big shift and I think, Peter, you touched on something so important of part of the grieving process. We need to grieve the fact that church is different now and we have lost something. Yeah, and we well, and as pastors, I think one thing that we've had to grieve is that it's not just about showing up and preaching and giving the benediction anymore. If it went, if it ever was that really, but the, the, the requirements on the pastor on a Sunday morning are far greater, especially when you're talking about doing an online service or maintaining an online presence after or through the week for those people who are not, um, not able or um, not willing to come to the, the in-person gathering. 
DeAndre, you're probably the most tech savvy person I know in the Smoky District, the Smoky Mountain District. And for a while there, you were like the person I was going to call if I had any of these questions. Um, but I imagine even for you, it's a lot to take on. And so tell us a little bit more about, you know, your role in the, in the district more generally and, you know, how you've been navigating all of the tech issues that have come up for you and for other people. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm learning, you know, we're all learning and uh, there's all, like there's always something to learn and like there are always mistakes to be made that you learn from, right? And so um, I'm, I'm right in there. And I'll agree, man, that is for, for a pastor, um, it has been, um, I kind of took lightly until the past couple of weeks, um, what it would mean to add these different components, but I feel it. Like I feel, I feel more tired after after a Sunday than I used to feel. At first, I was like, "This is sweet," you know. I show up and preach and you know, care for people. That's that's pretty simple. But you know, with all these layers now, I feel tired in a way that I that I that I haven't. And uh, for the district, I, I'm the communications coordinator, and um, and so um, I, I what what I'm trying to do, Erin um, and Peter is make that more than just sending out, um, I don't know, a newsletter, you know, every, every other week or so, because I, you know, I, I don't, I don't read news, you know, so um, just, um, and so, um, so, but it's small things that seem like big advancements to other people, like a YouTube page. And so, you know, somebody was like, wow, we got a YouTube page. And I was like, yeah, if you got a Gmail address, you, you got a, you know, you got a YouTube page. And so just small stuff like that. And um, um, Instagram, um, just just creating social media pages for us so that folks um, can still be reached through traditional ways. Like um, I'm sure the, the um, new administrator will still send out newsletters and stuff like that. But I just wanted to be able to make sure that folks who access information in different ways would be able to, to access that information. And also to have platforms for um, pastors and leaders in our district um, to amplify their messages in certain ways. Like I imagine, um, I imagine having like a Smoky Mountain District TV channel. Well, not a little TV channel, but like a, for our, our page to function like that or our website to function like that. So you don't have to kind of scroll through emails. You can, you know, go to the website or on YouTube and, you know, you know, what is, what is, what does Linda say as far as worship this son, this, this month? Well, let's look at her three minute video versus scrounge through some emails. And so, um, just thinking about ways to um, to kind of lift what it means, you know, to communicate in um, you know, in, in 2020 and beyond. And so, but it is fun, and I think that. Um, but what, what's the great the great part about it is that the district is like they're there, they're right there, they're trying new things. Like we try to soft, we tried Realm last year, it didn't work, but you know, um, <laughs> but we're trying stuff. I and, never. I never understood what it was. Yeah, and so <laughs> maybe that, that 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 ship has sailed. I guess I failed you as a communications person. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just some stuff won't stick. But what does work will do, you know. But I'm grateful that they're willing to, to try stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to kind of move us towards a close here, and um, as we do, I, I want to stay with this topic of you know the the additional pressures that have been on pastors and and maybe this is our, our my our most self-serving pastor potluck podcast so far but i think it's important and i think that folks who uh, are listening you know will be interested to hear you know how this role has shifted because because of the the pandemic but uh, since i have the two of you here i would like to know um you know, how you have noticed this whole pandemic situation and all of the decision-making and the new learning and the new tech and the changes to worship, how has that affected your soul? How has that affected uh, your spiritual, emotional, uh, physical health? And uh, yeah, and what, what have you noticed that's changed for, for in your life during this? So I am a whole lot more tired <laughs> than I would have been. Uh, and I think it is that emotional toll of all the decisions, the changes in responsibilities, 
um, the pressure and I fully know that I am my worst, I am my own worst critic. Um, so yeah, it's, it's exhausting. And um, the good thing is that I know if I keep myself physically fit, then I do better. And running is really my outlet. And so I've continued to really to run. <laughs> I mean, I run three times a week and uh, that helps. But um, yeah, I definitely noticed I'm tired and uh, need more sleep. <laughs> DeAndre, how about you? Yeah, like, like uh -huh. I noticed that um, I'm tired and more emotionally and um, I feel more spiritually drained more often than I than I used to. And, I, you know, and as I said earlier, I thought that I could just kind of keep trucking and, you know, just adding things on. Uh, but I, I do feel it. And even sometimes on Sunday mornings, guys, you know, when you step up and you feel present and ready to deliver, you know, um, uh, whatever it is that you feel like God has you to share um, from, from the word this week. And sometimes you're, you're in your head while you're preaching. You're like, I don't feel myself. I don't feel good. I don't feel connected to. I feel that more frequently now. It used to be maybe every eight or nine weeks I feel that way. Now it's about every five or six weeks I feel like I need... I need not be here this week. So I feel that more, more often. And so what I've been trying to do is, um, I don't know, just recognize that there's more on top and that I need to kind of restructure what's under what's underneath and um, and um, add more of those things that keep me solid and, and sturdy, those disciplines that, keep, like you said, Aaron, exercising and, um, and I'm being more intentional about those, you know, those, those spiritual disciplines that keep me afloat. And um, yeah, and being more, more intentional about those things. Yeah. I certainly let the, uh, let the exercise off uh, <laughs> for a long period of, of time. And I'm getting back into it now, a little bit of jogging. I mean, I was in my fitness app and I was flipping between last year <laughs> and this year. And I was just, oh, okay. it was <laughs> <laughs> the averages are like my, it's like my step counter is like yeah. begging me to <laughs> it keeps re reducing my goal for the day. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like you can do it. You can get to six steps. <laughs> okay. Well, how about four steps? How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. And I, I felt that, that additional, you know, the layers of, of pressure. And it seems like every time, we have to make a change it's been on on me to sort of like help folks see the new vision of what we're doing mm -hmm. so whether that's being outside or going to a hybrid some people are in their cars some people are sitting outside if they feel like they can stay warm during the service mm -hmm. and every time we transition i just haven't had the time to invite people into that process so i've been doing yeah. more of the service mm -hmm. i'm getting to a place yeah. where i'm realizing i can't do that anymore because mm -hmm. not only am i you know just because i got to do all this it stuff now i can't be like preparing and leading a song or uh, you know, being the, the musical performer, I, I do have a good voice. I like to sing, but I just have to step back from, from something and um, inviting other folks in has been really good, but I've only just started it because I've had, I've hit this wall of like, mm -hmm. I can't do all of this every week because it's just, it, it becomes too much. Um, spiritual disciplines that, uh, you mentioned um, what what do you turn to or what has been sustaining you spiritually or what do you hope to do more of? That's the question for, for both of you. And my last question is a little bit broader than that. And it's what words of encouragement do you need to hear right now? What do you need to hear? Whether it's from the bishop or from the district superintendent, superintendent or from your fellow pastors or from your congregation or from God, what are you, what are you longing to hear? 
maybe that's so how would you answer that question and where where do you turn to for you know your spiritual well-being during this time wow uh so i know for myself in my spiritual well-being time intentional times of silence are life-giving and i i know i need to work that back into my daily practice. Um, and what I need to hear is that I am not in it alone. And, uh, you know, I tell my mantra to myself has been, it is not about me. <laughs> and I know that to be true, but it's still good to hear it from other people too. Well, Aaron, you're not in it. <laughs> um, I can be so bold as to uh, say what you need to hear, but you, yeah, we have each other. We have mm -hmm. the, the, the clergy um, networks that we're part of, um, you know, to be honest, being part of uh, a, a, the Methodist church has been really great recently just because I already have that network built in um but yeah you you're not alone deandre you're not alone either we're working through this together none of us have the answers mm -hmm. um but we're gonna make it deandre how about you what are your spiritual practices and what words of encouragement do you need to hear right now um you know you know all these i've tried you know i've tried different things man but just the, the simplicity of um um just I have a I have a few psalms that I have to read every day, and um, and so so my, my I think the most important for me is um you know it's different from every for everybody but the most important for me is flipping those pages reading you know um, kind of lectio divina divina style just kind of just reading it 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 helps me and um, this is really practical but like going to bed on time has been uh, like what's on time right I don't know but you know. Um, some a, a few hours before midnight, you know, has helped me out quite a bit because that's my natural rhythm to go to bed early and to and to wake up early, and kind of now that the playoffs are over, now that LeBron has won his fourth championship, I can go to bed on time and uh, and and you know and wake up on time. That's helped me out um, tremendously just to get my bearings for the day has has helped me out tremendously. And I think I'd like to hear from um, um, from above that. Um, that uh, that we matter and the metrics don't matter. Mm. I don't think I had a message that um, I, I don't think I've had anything. I heard anything contrary to that, but um, I think it's pressure that I put on myself. I'm like, sheesh, how how my baptism is gonna go up? How my membership gonna go up? And, you know, we can't. And so I, that's pressure that I put on myself because I want at Charge Conference next year that you know that's just me being honest with you. Like, I, I part of me. Um, wants to see numbers improve. And yeah. uh, for my own reasons and just for, I don't know, for, for other reasons too, I think that's a sign of health. And I just want to be reassured that, you know, health looks different mm -hmm. now than it does, you know, than it did a year ago. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that a friend of mine uh, said, said to me in a, in a text um, this past week it is, uh, I just, he just he said I just can't get over the fact that all of this is happening and I think he was talking about more than just the pandemic there's so much else going on that we haven't mentioned in 2020 um, all of this is happening and we're still expected to uh, be productive at this at the same levels that we were before the pandemic like how you know but I think part of it, like you said, is that we're putting that expectation on ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, what I've heard from uh, Linda, our district superintendent, is, you know, as far as continuing education, if you learned how to use Zoom this year, we're going <laughs> to count it. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, so I feel like there is grace, and, uh, you know, from a professional standpoint, but I think that's also grace that we need to extend to ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. So much change. And, um, and we're doing, I think, 
exceedingly well, uh, given everything that's going on. And uh, I'm so impressed by both of you and uh, the work that you're doing and like the complicated negotiations that you've had to do and all the learning that you've done. Um, and I'm so grateful for having you on the podcast today. Uh, any last thoughts um, that, uh, that either of you want to share as we, as we close? I just want to say um, thanks for, for the invitation to be on. I'm always um, energized and filled when I get an opportunity to spend time with like clergy um, and, and, and folks like you. So I, I appreciate it. I feel um, stronger, you know, after, after today's time together. So thank you, Aaron and, and Peter. Yeah, I, I echo that in the, it's, there's definitely strength from the conversation and uh, realizing that we are in this together. And, you know, while our churches might be unique and different, the experience is still very similar and that helps. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you both. And I would love to have um, each of you on the podcast again at some point. Um, this has been truly, uh, truly amazing and also really edifying for me too in my work. So thank you so much and take care. Um, thank you.